0: This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here. Uh, we are continuing in a series that I've just called Winning, just to be honest with you, because um, I think most of us, most of us are... are in relationships that need some help. How many of y'all can say amen to that today? How many of y'all know the difference between a good and a bad relationship? You can look back through the history of your life and there's some some friends that you go back and you go, man, they're amazing. These guys that are playing music up here, um, they're friends of mine from a long time ago. Uh, I was on staff at a church in Columbia, South Carolina, and this was—this was—these were my guys. Because my job every week was to lead worship, and these were my guys. They played—they uh, played with us for about six or seven years. We did an album together, and I love them. And so, when we decided to do this, I called them and said, "Y'all got to come at least a couple times, so we can hang out and we can do what we used to do." Because I miss you. And I was talking to to a couple of them yesterday, and I said, you know, towards the end of my tenure, I would constantly remember as we were in worship, I would just think, this is rare. This is, what we have is rare, because it's rare to have this level of musicianship without that much ego, right? And to be some good friends that love each other and care about each other and want to do something good together. And so, Man, I know, man, there's some good friends here. And I'm thankful for that. And sometimes we look back and we don't have some good friends. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I call them like a bless your heart friends. (laughs) Right? Because you know, you can say bless your heart and then you can say whatever you want. So I can say, I can say, Jason, you know, Jason. I mean, bless his heart. He's stupid. (laughs) Boy can't hear anything. Bless his heart. Been playing drums for 30 years. Can't hear a lick. Bless him. Y'all know that, right? You can say, and some of us, we got some bless their heart friends. You know what I'm talking about? Now, let me tell you. I want to tell you a story about a friend of mine's roommate in college because I'm going to tell you a place that you don't want to have a bless their heart friend. Okay, when you go to college and they deliver the name of who your roommate is, you do not want to see John, bless their heart, Smith. You don't want to see that as a roommate. Okay, and so my friend Thomas, he had this roommate named Will, and we called him Wild Will because he was crazy. He was just straight up literally crazy. All right, he, he could sleep through anything. And I mean like, like the world could literally cave into itself and Will would still be in the bed asleep. And so his parents, to solve the problem now that he was away from home, bought him a really nice alarm clock. I don't know if y'all have ever seen an alarm clock that was this nice. Y'all remember that old wind-up alarm clock you used to have and it had the two bells on the top of it and it had a little hammer go back and forth between it and knock those two bells? You know what I'm talking about. All right, now imagine that device with two fire alarm bells. This big and red, like they're in a firehouse. I'm not kidding. And they went right under his bed. That was his alarm. And we'll, we'll had this condition where if he, if he had some alcohol, now I, I know we're not supposed to talk about this, but if, if he had some alcohol, he would sleep even worse. And so he liked to play chicken with his condition occasionally. Y'all know, y'all know some people who are like that? right, they know, y'all, not, I'm, not, I'm not supposed to do this, but I do it anyway. I'm playing chicken with this condition. So he would do that. And now I'm not talking about like, like hard stuff, but he would take some vanilla extract and put it in a milkshake. You know what I'm talking about? A little vanilla extract. And then he would go to sleep and it would be 9 o'clock in the morning, and it would be time for Will to go to class. And my friend Thomas was really studious, and so he took all morning classes. He didn't, he didn't go to, for any of that, like, noon, afternoon stuff, none of that. He was in class at 8 o'clock. And so this bell would start going off at 9 o'clock, and Will would sleep through it. Bless his heart. I mean, just bless his heart. I mean, just dead asleep, and it's literally like a fire alarm in a firehouse. That's how crazy it was. The door would be locked. Nobody could get in. Literally, somebody went out and scaled the wall like Spider-Man, got in their room, and turned that alarm off. I'm not kidding you, okay? But some of us have some bless-their-heart friends, and I believe That as we look into scripture today, we're going to see in the life of David an important key that can turn a negative relationship for the positive. Because we all have those. I'm not kidding. I mean, all of us in here. We all have negative relationships. We all have stuff that's just weighing on us and people who bother us and we just want to go bless their heart. So if you would, just go ahead and and turn in your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 20. Now, I want to remind you of something I told you last week, and this is important. Because if we're going to talk about changing the game, I want you to remember this. It's really important. It's impossible to win. It's impossible to have winning relationships if you're playing the wrong game. It's just impossible. And as we kind of turn into this passage, we're going to see something that helps us change the game. But let me just give you a little background. For those of you who don't know, uh, David is, is a shepherd boy that God has chosen to be king. The king right now is Saul. And he does not like David because God chose him. But Saul's son is smart and he recognizes God's hand on David. And when they first met each other, it was like a bromance at first sight. Y'all ever had that bromance at first sight? Probably not. But that's what scripture kind of talks about. When they met each other, they loved each other. And this, this relationship between Jonathan and David is epic. It's epic because Jonathan, at this point, is a prince. He's a prince. And David is literally the son of a farmer. And so let's tune in. 1 Samuel 20. We're just gonna zero in real quick on verses three and four If you can't see your Bible, if you don't have one, the scriptures are on the screen. Now, Saul is hunting down David, and David has met up with Jonathan, so that's kind of where we pick up. But David took an oath and said, Your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said to himself, Jonathan must not know this, or he will be grieved. Yet as surely as the Lord lives, as you live, There's only one step between me and death. So Jonathan said to David, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it for you. That's a prince talking to a shepherd. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it for you. It's just... It's, we've got to recognize in this relationship, Jonathan has nothing to gain. He's the prince. I'm going to be honest with you. If I was the prince, I'd have a hard time telling somebody, whatever you want me to do. I would probably say something like, whatever you want me to do, I will get somebody to do it for you. (laughs) Right? That's not what, (laughs) that's not what Jonathan says. Whatever, whatever you want whatever you want Last week I told you this and this is important and I just want to remind you about this that every relationship is sustained by grace There's nothing in it for Jonathan at this point except being obedient to what he sees God doing That's it So let's jump ahead a little bit on down to verse 16 So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, may the Lord call David's enemies to account. Who's David's enemies? His father. His father, the king, is David's enemies. And he just said, if he's your enemy, May the Lord call him into account. And Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him because he loved him as he loved himself. Now, that's a weird moment. I'm going to be honest with you. My wife walks in every once in a while and she says this to me. She says, Kevin, do you love me? You ever feel like you're walking into a trap, you know, like, I don't know what's about to come, but I don't think it's going to be good. And in the back of my mind, I always think, what did I Did I do something that made you think I don't love you? And what's interesting about the relationship that David shares with Jonathan is that three different times, at three different moments in their relationship, they reaffirm their relationship to each other. And that's what happens in this moment. I mean, Jonathan is all in. And he has David say, hey, David, I mean, I know I know we've made this pact before, but can we talk about it again? I mean, I mean I'm all in this, whatever you need me to do. But what about you? Where are you? And David affirms his oath. Jonathan. I mean, Jonathan takes it all the way, as far as he could. I mean, whoever your enemies are, if it's my father, whoever your enemies are, I don't care. There's something that's happening there. And it's different than relationships we tend to navigate today. It's important because what's happening between these two men is that they're drafting a covenant. And covenant is a word that we talk about a lot in church and sometimes right before we get married, right? Because that's the word we use when we get married. And most of us don't know a whole lot about what it means. I mean, the truth is, is that we really don't even know what the word promise means. Because for most of us, I'm just even going to throw myself in the middle of that. When we say I promise, it means I promise right now. like that's how I feel right now but I'm not I'm not going to say that I promise in 15 minutes or in 15 years but these men created a covenant between themselves and folks that's what changes the game that's what changes the game for us here's the Here's the truth that I want you to walk in. This is in your notes. It's that positive relationships always have a covenant commitment. And I just want to take a moment and talk about what that means. Because there's games that we play that you can't win. Let me just share one of you. One of them, I'm going to be honest with you, when we first got married... This is one of those that I thought worked. I thought it worked. It doesn't. I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to tell you right now it doesn't. Here's, here's the game that we play sometimes that we think, all right, if the totality of this relationship is 100, I'll go 50 if you go 50. You ever heard that before? Just meet me halfway. But let me, let me just put some practic, some practical frame to that to let you know how stupid that is. I mean, that's just downright dumb. It is. I don't, I mean, I'm sorry if that's kind of a, a way that you've navigated your life. But if I were to go to Amanda and say, listen, honey, I love you. I love you more than 50. I love you about 60. I go 60. How about this, Amanda? Monday through Friday, I'm yours. But Saturday and Sunday, I'm just going to do whatever I want to. Monday through Friday, though, all yours. Monday, you got me five days a week. That's pretty good, right? That's a pretty good percentage. Does that work? Does that work in anybody's mind? No, it doesn't. You see, the difference between that and a covenant is a covenant is an all-in buy-in. It's exactly what you see in the heart of Jonathan. Whatever you want, I don't care. Whatever I have to do to sustain my relationship with you, I'm all in. The truth is, is that our world is dramatically absent of those kind of relationships. The second thing that you see in this passage, and this is this is one of those things that I was, as I was studying, it just kind of caught me and it gripped me. I'm gonna be honest with you, I think it's just something that God wants us to be reminded of, and it's this: that positive relationships thrive on affirmation. Now, y'all heard, y'all heard the old story about the man who's who's been married for 20 years and his wife says, he just never tells me that he loves me. He just doesn't. I never hear that at home. He doesn't, he never tells me. And he says, well, I told you that I loved you when we got married. And if I changed my mind, I'd tell you something different. Right, y'all heard that before, right? Right, that's horrible. That's horrible. But you know what? Some of us live that way. And right here in the middle of a dramatic moment, we see in the heart of Jonathan and David that they paused to affirm their relationship with one another. Now, I don't know if you've lived this way with people. But y'all ever been at work and there's that one person everyone always just wants to be around that person? You know what I'm talking about? There's that one person at school, everybody loves them. I don't know what the secret is, you know, but everybody tends to like that person. You know what it is? They affirm people. And people who you get around and, and they, they encourage you and you leave them and you go, man, you know, I just feel a little bit better about myself right now than I did when I went and talked to them. Somehow there's a, There's a power in affirming and honoring someone. I mean, in what kind of world do we live in where we feel like we're in competition with the people that we love? I mean, what's that? What's up with the I can't tell you that you did a good job because, you know, I'm trying to beat you? That doesn't make any sense to anybody, does it? You see, in the heart of Jonathan and David, and and the thing that strikes me is it didn't just happen once, man. We're talking about seriously. We're talking about three different moments throughout their relationship where they stop and reaffirm. And so when my wife walks in and I feel like I'm about to step on a landmine and she goes, Kevin, do you love me? You know what's really happening? She just wants to be reaffirmed. That's it. That's all that's happening right there. And covenants, covenants constantly are being reaffirmed. You see, the reason that a covenant is 100%, 100% is because there's going to be a time that the person that you make a covenant with will not be able to go 100%. There's gonna be a time that they might only be able to go 10%, and somebody in those moments has got to be able to carry. It's a little bit like me and you and Jesus. Because, you see, God has a way of taking things that are so negative taking relationships that are negative and creating something positive out of them. You see, most of the time, most of the time in life, we make mistakes when we commit ourselves to sinful stuff. Because at the end, we think that I'm gonna get something out of this. But all sin does is take from you. But you see, Jesus, Jesus is a totally different ball game. Look at this. I, I want you to see the scripture. Luke 22, verse 20, it says, this cup, this happens right in the middle. Jesus says this right in the middle of having the last supper. So they're having communion. And he says, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. (coughs) It's a new covenant. So the relationship that we share with Jesus is a covenant. And that means something, folks. That means that at some point, God looked at you and said, you're worth going all in for. Look at this scripture. This is one of those scriptures that doesn't make sense, but we try to make it make sense, but it doesn't. It's so profound and powerful. Look at this. Out of the book of Romans chapter five, that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. before I ever even decided that I would love you and serve him, God said, I'm going all in. And most of us, when we try to think about covenants, go, well, what's in it for me? And God has already shown us the way to a positive relationship. Can I tell you this about you and Jesus? The Bible tells us that you are his delight. That he loves you. That everything that's quirky and weird about you, he made it that way. And he loves that little weird stuff that you do. The little stuff that everybody looks at you and goes, bless her heart. Golly. God looks at you and smiles. And most of the time, Most of the time, let's just be honest, we're not even half in. I mean, we're not even half in. And God looks at us and says, I'm going all in. You know what? The best that I can do is there needs to be a sacrifice for the sin that's in your life. So I'm going to send the best thing I have. That's my son. I'm going to send him so that he can die so that you can be reconciled to me not based on what you do, but based on what he did once and for all. And he delights in you. He loves you. And if you want to know what will free you and let you have positive life enduring relationships is that you live in covenant with people. It's that that we stop being the people who go, you know, this is, I'm just going to kind of go at the percentage to which you're into this thing, right? I know you're only about like 25% in, so I'm just going to be about right there. It's that we love people like Christ has loved us. That we endeavor to go, you know what? It's not about what I get. It's about what I can put into this. And that's when, that's when the negative, broken relationship shifts and becomes something beautiful and positive in your life. I just want to ask you a few questions as we get ready to shut her down. I want you to really honestly think about these because they're important. They're important questions for you personally. The first question is this. Are there negative relationships in your life right now that you need to allow God to turn to the positive. I'm going to be honest with you, there's some people that you can't live in covenant with. There's some friends that just show up when they need something. There's some friends that just want something out of you. They don't want to put anything into a relationship. Those kind of friends that's never going to turn positive. But I'm talking about like hardcore, committed friendships. Are there, some, are there some people that love you, that care about you today, that you've just kind of said, you know, yeah, that's okay. You've kind of let them live maybe on the on the outside maybe maybe there's some people that you need to make a covenant with maybe there's some covenants in your life right now some relationships that that are there that man you know it just feels it feels like it's been a while so it leads leads to the second question cuz this is really important are there people in your life that you need to affirm I mean, as I was preparing for this message, this is one of those places that I was praying through this. I just really kind of felt the Lord speaking to us about this. And I want to ask you some specific questions. Husbands in the room right now, how long has it been since you took your wife aside and said, I love you and I love you because of this. I see you every day doing this and this. And this, and I'm so thankful that you do that. How long has it been? Because if it's been too long, you need to fix that. And wives, how long has it been since you told your husband what you respect about him, instead of what bothers you about him? How long has it been since you paused and said, listen, honey, and you, you just bust it to support our family and you come home tired. And I know that some days that's really all you got, but thank you. Let me just ask you a question as children and as parents. How long has it been since you, sat your children down and said, listen, you know, you're growing up so fast. I mean, my little girl is just barely over a year, and it feels like she was born yesterday, and some of you are way ahead on that journey, but how long has it been since you sat them down and said, listen, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you because I see this growing in you, and I know that that's important, and and you're doing it. You're going after it, You're letting this develop and that develop. I'm so proud of you. And how many of you that are children in here have taken a moment and talked to your parents and said, listen, when I look back at our childhood, I remember watching you work double shifts so that we could afford that I would have a little lunchable when I went to school and have something to eat? How many of you have had people in your life that have played huge roles? I mean, listen, you wouldn't even be right now where you are if it wasn't for them. How many of you need to stop and say, hey, you know what? Man, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Thank you for loving me and encouraging me. Thanks for seeing something in me that nobody else saw in me. Because you know what? There's something that happens in that relationship when we let affirmation live in it. See, somehow that thing that can be so negative and broken hope starts to grow. Because for all of us in this room, there was a time that we weren't fully committed to Jesus, and he wrote us a letter, and it's a profound letter that tells us exactly how much he loves us. So it leads me to the last question because really it's important. We're all living in a covenant with Jesus even if you're not living in a covenant. He loved you so much that he was willing to go all in. The real question is, are you fully committed to Jesus? That's what the real question is. Or are you like those people who just want something God, I'll come to you when when stuff's messed up. And I'll pray hard. I'll pray hard when I need a new job. I'll pray hard when my kids are sick, but it's all right right now. So I feel like cruising a little bit right now. Are you fully committed to Jesus? Let's pray. Father God, we would just wanna take a moment and pause and reflect on these questions that we've asked. God, they're important questions. And I don't want us this morning to walk by them and not think about them. God, I I know that when I look out at this room right now that I feel such a profound love for these people. I can't imagine the love that you feel for them. And so, God, I just wanna thank you that, that you care about us enough that when we, were, when we were still spitting on you and hateful and running away from you, that you showed us that you loved us by dying for us. And so tonight, God, it's really, it's really impossible to walk out of here and live in covenant with someone the way that you want us to, to change the game where we can actually win. Unless we're living in covenant with you. So God, right now, if we're not there, if we're not the folks who are who are really living in covenant with you, God, through your grace and mercy, call us into that covenant. And for those of us that are in the room, and we recognize that there are some people that we need to renew that covenant. We need to affirm that covenant. Some people that we just need to call and thank. God, prompt us, encourage us, empower us to get there. So right now, with nobody looking around, I just want to ask you a question. It really is just between me and you so I can pray for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want to ask you about where you are with Jesus and if you're wanting to make a difference this morning. If you recognize this, we've looked around and talked about this, that you know what I've been I've been half-heartedly committed to Jesus, but I know that if I'm gonna live in covenant with him, I've gotta change that. I've gotta commit fully. If you know that that's you today, just between me and you, I'm not gonna ask you to do anything other than this. Just raise your hand right now if that's you today. That's awesome. That's awesome. And how many of you would say this today? Today. Would say, right now, I just want to commit between me and Jesus today that there's somebody I need to call, and I need to thank them. I need to let them know what they've meant to me. If that's you, and you want to commit right now between you and Jesus so that I can pray for you, how many of you would raise your hand and say, that's me today? There's a lot of us. There's a lot of us. Now, you all look at me. Let me tell you something. It's really, really impossible to have winning relationships unless we get the first one right. All right? Let me be honest with you, okay? And so those of you all across the, all across the room, a bunch of you raised your hands up today and said, Listen, I've been half-hearted with Jesus. I want to commit to him. Man, that's profound. But let me explain something. It doesn't get easy because of that. (laughs) All right? What it means is that you say, God, you have a plan. I'm going all into that. I'm going to live your way. I'm going to be fully committed to you.